I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. And today I'm speaking with Raven Blair Glover, the talk show maven. She's a former CNN and CBS radio personality and the winner of really impressive awards like the President's Lifetime Achievement Award signed by President Barack Obama, the Outstanding Global Women Leadership Award, and the Giant Community Leader Award. Raven is an interviewer extraordinaire. Yes, I'm a little intimidated to interview her, and her story is particularly amazing since she started this career at 55 in the ICU unit of a hospital. She'll tell us about that soon. She's interviewed everyone from Oscar winner Lou Gossett Jr. to Montel Williams, and she's also the CEO and founder of Amazing Women and Men of Power, one of the world's leading positive programming networks reaching over 4.7 million listeners. Raven is passionate and generous and seems to have limitless energy and ideas to share with others. Welcome, Raven. It's a pleasure to have you on Grandmothers on the Move. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So you are the talk show maven, and you have multiple shows, and you've been on everything from CBS News to NBC to ABC, and you've won all these remarkable awards that I mentioned. And I'm interested to know, why do you do what you do? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I actually feel the reason I'm doing this is because I strongly feel that it's my purpose. You know, my story started in the ICU unit of a hospital waiting for my mother to get well. I had always dreamt of being on radio since the age of 13, used to actually sneak to the neighborhood radio station and had a junior disc jockey show at a hospital that had uh, easy listening jazz for their patients to keep them relaxed. So it was always embedded in me from the age of 13. But you know how that is. When we're small, we have all these dreams. And then as we get older, something called life happenings and our (laughs) dream circle shrinks. And that's what's happened to me. And I found myself just settling and always doing uh, a lot for the kids and mom and dad and my friends and stuff. And I watched people just do their thing around me and grow and be passionate. And I used to be, you know, kind of jealous, to be honest, because I felt like, wow, you know, these people, they found their passion in doing what they love. But when my mother got ill and I found myself on a conference call because I was living there for three weeks at the ICU unit, me and my sister, making sure there was no mistakes being made at the hospital because we lost our dad about eight years earlier 
from hospital mistakes. So we weren't leaving mother's side. We slept, showered, you know, just stayed at the hospital for the three weeks she was in the ICU. And then when she went into a regular ward, we were off and on. Me and my sister split days, three and a half days each at the hospital. So I was there a lot of time. But when that was going on, I was 55 years old, making $10 an hour, uh, working 20 hours a week. And I was on the, in a conference call and I heard Alex Mendozian, who I didn't know at that time who he was, but I did sign up on a payment plan for his Teleseminar Secrets course. And he said this, he said, if you want to start a business, do something that you love. Do something that you're passionate about. Here's what you can do. You can interview other people that already know and you can learn along the way and you can grow along the way. And his very words was this, but the quickest way to become an expert is to interview other experts. That's the best way to get known quick, fast. And so that was like the light at the very dark end of a tunnel for me. I was like, oh my God, I always wanted to be on radio. I didn't want to interview. I thought I was going to be spinning records. But when Alex interviewed, I think it was Rick Frischman, Rick Frischman said there was this thing called podcast and you didn't need an FCC license. And see, that's one of the reasons I never got into radio earlier because you had to have an FCC license. Right. So I always tell people, it wasn't that I found my dream and my passion and my purpose, it was like it found me in the hospital. And then right then and there, I grabbed a piece of paper. I drew down the middle of the line. I put, what do I need to do and where do I need to begin? I ran around the hospital. I told them I'm going to start a radio show that's going to empower baby boomer women to go for their dreams and vision. And they let me use their private room behind the desk. And they said I could stay on there all night as long as I was gone by the time their bosses got in the morning. So I didn't have to share the computer with the whole ICU ward anymore. And I Google how to podcast, how to do interviews. And so the reason I'm so passionate about it is because it's what changed my life. No kidding. 55, making $10 an hour to 20 hours a week to being at least a six-figure income. I'm not mega rich or anything, but that old saying, I mean, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I ain't where I used to be. And, (laughs) And I'm passionate about helping other people because not only did I create a business, which allowed me to be there with mom during the six years that she lived after that. But I was beginning to heal from all the emotional abuse I suffered as a child and as a young adult. I began to have confidence. I began to believe in myself. I began to have higher self-esteem. And so interviewing and having a radio show and becoming the Oprah in my niche, it allowed me to develop because you can't interview the Jack Canfields, the Les Browns, the Alex Mendozian, great people like that. I mean, I even interviewed J.B. Hill, Napoleon Hill's grandson, and you can't interview people like that and it don't rub off on you. So I hope that answers your question. I know it was a long one, but I wanted people to know where I came from, that this passion is real. This isn't storybook read, although no shade for those people that can jump in there. <laughs> Did that, done that, wore the t-shirt, drank out the coffee cup and still doing it. And I don't have to guess. I know it's my purpose and passion. That's so clear. You can hear it in your voice, Raven. And I had another question when I was thinking about you and what you do. You know, there are so few older women and even fewer older black women who are mm-hmm. in your position and who are doing what you do. What's your experience of that? I don't know. You know, to be honest, I never really looked at it like that. I think there's a lot of women like me. What I do know is that self-esteem and confidence and, you know, just loving yourself is huge. 
And, you know, we're all a product of our product. And my parents and many African-American parents, they came and their grandparents and stuff came from slavery. So, you know, I know for sure my parents were very strict. They didn't mean any wrong in it, but they were very strict. And we got weapons and for the littlest things, you know, and that really damaged me as a child. It made me not want to speak up. You know, it made me scared. It made me be in a shell. But there was this person that was ready to explode inside, if you say what I mean. I remember telling my dad when I was a little kid that I wanted, asked him to build me a stage. I remember telling him I wanted to go to California. I wanted to be a star. You know what I'm saying? So I was a bubbling firecracker inside. And, you know, here I am now 67 and I'm definitely not a star, but I'm interviewing people like Montel Williams and Sherry Shepard and stuff. And my stage is my radio show, radio shows and radio network now. And I always wanted to be a teacher and now I'm educating people. I wanted to live in California and it took three marriages, finally got the fourth (laughs) marriage right. And guess where I'm at? In California. So all those little dreams have come true. It's an amazing story. I mean, it really is a story of self-actualization. You made yourself in your own image. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I truly believe that, you know, we can design our life, especially nowadays. And this is, again, going back to why I'm so passionate about showing people how to get out there and create their platform, learn to interview and not just interview, but interview up, interview the greats. Alex was so right. That is the way you will become an expert. But not only that, you will begin to leave a legacy. You will begin to leave your mark. See, when we're gone and our time is over, our podcasts, our radio shows, our books are still living on. Mm-hmm. We're still passing on our message. Real quick story. I own a radio station called Amazing Women and Men of Power, and we've had it for about 11 years. And one of the hosts that helped start the show, she recently died this year in March. Oh. And, you know, she went into hospice at the beginning of the year. And I was trying to keep her motivated, inspired. And I said, you know what, Mary, just hang on in there and we're just going to speak life in existence. Do what the doctors say, but it's not over till it's over. Now, she interviewed Alveda King, Martin Luther King's uh, niece. And I said, you know, and we're creating this book. It's called Conversations Behind the Mic. And you know what? We're going to make sure that your interview with Alvita King is in that book and you're on the cover. And she was so excited. And so I put this book together, Conversations Behind the Mic, where there was 50 talk show host influencers that presented their interview with their guests in the book. It's the first book of its kind where they're all hosts on the cover and inside the book are different interviews. Mary's on the cover. She's gone. But guess what? We made bestseller. And one of her dreams was always to get a book and be the bestseller. Mary's gone. Her best interviews in that book and she made bestseller right along with the rest of the 49 of us. That's pretty beautiful. You talk about wanting to have that platform and that stage, which is now the microphone, and you talk about legacy and there's sort of a theme running through it of how you want to reach people. What's the most burning passion? What's at the center of it in terms of what you want to share with people, what you're trying to teach and what kind of legacy you want to leave? To be free to be them that you need to really master the art of owning who you are and feel good about that it doesn't matter what you did yesterday, good, bad or ugly. It's what are you going to do today? And I guess 
One of the things that I say I'm going to write a book one day that I like to pass on to people and to my clients is don't waste the space that the good Lord's given you. If you don't know what your purpose is, figure it out because we got one shot on this earth, you know, and it could be taken away Mm -hmm. just like that. One of my models is don't wait to be great or it may be just too late. And too late doesn't necessarily mean death. Too late could be that opportunity may never come. So do it now. That's the center of everything, because when I watched my mother in the hospital with the twos, the matriarch of the family, very strong, powerful woman, had a chain of restaurants in Ohio, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful woman, kind of looked like Lena Horne, just gorgeous woman. When I watch her, you know, just dwindle away in a matter of weeks and months to almost skin and bones and then end up in a wheelchair and had to have a catheter, couldn't go to the restroom on her own and all that be stripped away from her. Wow. It was hard. It was sad. But, you know, she still never showed us how she was feeling. She still kept her head up. You know, she still dressed up in that wheelchair and she was able to maneuver ways to get around and reach stuff that was too high. And that was very empowering for me to watch that. When you talk about how you were damaged emotionally as a child and how you kept yourself in the shadows and silenced yourself, and now you found such a powerful voice, what was it in Young Raven that kept you resilient, that allowed you to move in that moment when opportunity presented itself and when you realized in the hospital that you had a way to realize that dream? I think I've always known that I was meant to do something that was going to make a difference. I knew that I was meant to do more and be more despite the time that I cried, despite the time in my second marriage when I was so scared of the man I was married to that I I found myself in a closet looking at a gun and considering taking my life. And this was in the 90s. Wow. And I always wanted to have the recognition. I was a kid that starved for recognition. There would be always something in me that would keep going. And it was because I wanted my mother to recognize me, give me the recognition that I deserve, that I meant to be more. And she put me in the best schools. We wore the best clothes. We had a chain of restaurants. But the one thing that was missing was... I didn't have the confidence. She would say I could do anything, but she didn't make me feel like I could do anything. And all the best schools and stuff wasn't enough. So I was a mama's girl trying to always please my mother and I always say now she's gone. And I still try to please her. Mm-hmm. So there was moments that she empowered and inspired me. And there were moments that I was disempowered because of her strictness. And I know that she didn't mean to, but this is, you know, she was raised this. And I want to ask your listeners, have you guys ever heard this story? I don't know exactly how it goes, but people are at Christmas dinner and they're taking the, the meat and they're wrapping it around full and tying it, twisting at the end. You guys ever hear that or something similar to that? And they're like, well, why do you do it like that? You know? And it's because their mother did it and their mother did it and their mother did it and their mother did it. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? It yeah. was just a matter of down the line, this is how you, you know, did your kids. And again, I'm not saying everybody's family was like that. For, so for anybody that's listening, I'm saying this is how my family was. And I know a lot of other families that are that way. So a lot of that made me just an extraordinary woman in many ways, but a lot of it made me a damaged woman. And I wanted to get past the damaged part. I wanted to do something to where people would say, wow, 
I wanted people and mom and the family and, and I just wanted to be recognized as something important. Yeah. And I, I still do. It's still very right. much part of me. People say, well, you got the magazine, you got the radio, you're always doing something. I'm like, I guess I'm still that little girl, little Raven fighting to get the recognition. I remember when I got an email, I was in Hawaii with my son. It was about a couple of days before we were leaving and he lived there. He uh, treated my husband and I to our anniversary present there. And I remember going to my computer and I said, you know, all the trip, I'm not going to get on the computer. I'm not going to get on the computer. And so this dad said, let me check my mail. I haven't checked it. And there was this email and it said, you've been nominated for the President Lifetime Achievement Award. Wow. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Who's pulling my leg here? And I ignored it. And so the night before we left, we're sitting at the table, all of us on our little laptops and the same email pops in again. We need your information. And so I told my son, I said, look at this. You think this is a joke? Should I write them back? And my son said, I think it's not going to hurt to write it back. You've done some great things, mom. It could be true. You've got another awards. I still ignored it. But when I got home about four days later, guess what? They said, final notice. We really need to hear from you. And then I looked and there was a little phone number right at the very bottom. You almost missed it. So I said, I'm going to call and see if it was real. It was real. And I had to rush and get my stuff in. And I actually got that signed about three weeks before Obama left office. (laughs) Talk about recognition. And I was recognized. But you see my point? I couldn't even accept it. Mm -hmm. And during all the time, I kept thinking something was going to happen. I had to go to Atlanta. They were honoring me and 50 other people. And until that actual moment, I walked across the stage because not only did I get a award, I got a presidential pin pinned on me. And the lady said, on behalf of the 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, thank you for all you do. Thank you for your service. And she read the bill from him and she did it for all 50 of us. But I just felt like bawling. It was real. And guess what? I had the picture of my mom and dad, who are both buried, gone now. I had it in my jacket of my wallet because I wanted them to be part of it. And right now on my wall, I have the frame with it, with his signature stuff. And in the corner, I have the picture of my mom and dad there. Now, does that seem like a girl that's still trying to please her mom? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's doing her own thing, and I'm still trying to say, look, mom. Best part was my grandson, and this is very fitting because of your show. Yes. Um, my grandson, Chris, said, wow, he always called me me, mom. I guess when I got that, he was like 19 or something. No, let me see. He was 20. And he still calls me me, mom. Wow, me, mom. You can do anything. So I'm actually making a copy of it and framing it for Christmas, and I'm going to give it to him. You know, I want him to have a copy to put on his wall so he can know that he can do anything. And that was one of the things Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you. I'm going to take you back a little bit, and then I'm going to come forward Mm -hmm. to the grandkids. You talked about how things get passed down and passed down from generation to generation. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to ask you this question, Raven, but but now I'm curious. You know, you're incredibly self-aware, and you've obviously thought about how your life has evolved. And what did you do differently with your children so that you would pass down something different? Hire them so they can work for me. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, because I'm seriously, well, my son, he's doing very well. He's uh, married to a doctor. They live in Hawaii. But my daughter, she never really liked working that much. 
I would always try to find something to get her passionate about it, and I couldn't do it. She worked jobs. She just did it for a check. So she was without a job for a few years. She went through a really bad marriage, and so I hired her. So that's one thing. I think even though my son's doing well, they both always say they can never think of a time when I wasn't trying when I wasn't going for it. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson I give to them is to never stop trying and to keep stretching themselves and to believe that if it's meant to be, it's up to them. And if they don't hit it right on target, they'll come so close. That's the lesson that I hope that I passed on to them. They tell me I did. And my grandson, I know for sure, because he's watched me these few years and he's seen me be able to just turn my whole life around. He kept seeing me grow and start the station and start the magazine. And like for me, I always wanted to be on the cover of a magazine and I never had that opportunity. And so when I married my husband, number four, and by the way, guys, if you've been married more than a couple of times, it's not the third one. Skip that one and go to the fourth one. It's fine. That's <laughs> So I said, you know what? I've always wanted to be on a magazine. And this is when I was 65. And so I started a magazine. And guess what? When we got married, I'm looking at it right now. It it was Amazing Women Magazine. My husband and I are on the cover. When I worked at CNN and CBS, I didn't like the corporateness of it because I'm a free-to-be-me type of gal. And I wanted a, a station that would be more positive programming, uplifting and empowering and move people through their journey. So I said, you know what? Instead of complaining, I'm going to start my own positive programming station. You know, right now I'm getting ready. You guys are probably the third show that I've announced this on. So here's an exclusive for you. You know, I talked about recognition, the lack of recognition. Well, one thing I noticed as the talk show host, we all are so good at promoting our guests, but we're not that good at promoting ourselves. And that comes from, I think, being younger. And, you know, we kind of feel, oh, I don't want to boast about myself. I get it. So what I decided to do is be one of the first publicity and publishing agencies that specialize in working with broadcasters, live streamers, podcast hosts, talk show hosts, and getting them from the shadow to the spotlight because it's their time to shine. So that people can look at them as way beyond just being a talk show host, but they're a great speaker. They are great authors. It's called Red Carpet Publicity Showcase. Well, and that's part of legacy too, right? Because you figured out how to do that and you've embraced it. That's something that you're going to pass on to others. And in the theme of passing things on and lifting people up, did becoming a grandmother change you? I can hear that you've got this really special relationship with your grandson. That's a good question. I only have one grandchild right now, my grandson. In mm-hmm. the beginning of your question, what was that experience for me? I was like, the rest of us grandmothers, we love them. We love, love, love them, especially because we can give them back. <laughs> right. But no, I love my grandson. I adore him. And I remember when he was first born, like all grandmothers want to be there all the time, but it was so great that when I didn't want, I, you know, I wanted to walk away, you know, I could give him back. So that was one thing that I love. When my grandson is in Houston, I'm here. We, you know, we'll meet on Skype. I'll say, I miss, you know, let's get on Skype. Let's spend some time. You know, let's at least be as close as we possibly can. And so that's one good thing about technology now. 
And I want to say to the listeners, you know, that are far away from your grandkids, you know, use the technology that we have. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing as hugging and loving on them in person. But my goodness, it's better than letting days and weeks and months go by not seeing them, seeing their smile, you know, feeling them, looking into their eyes, them looking into your eyes. So take advantage of technology, grandmoms. It's awesome. And the other thing is to say, wow, you know, maybe I didn't get it quite right as a mother, but now this is kind of like a do-over. I can do some of the things that maybe I didn't do for my child because I've developed that I can pass on to my grandchild. And then the other part of it is just um, seeing them in the world that it is today. I mean, we had a African-American president. This was great to happen in our time, my time, our grandmother's time, especially those African-American women, that our grandkids can see this. I mean, this is something that Martin Luther King spoke about decades ago, right? And then it was, I had a dream, but that became more of a dream. You know what I'm saying? It's more of a dream. It happened. And to see your grandkids see some of the things, not just that, but some of the things in technology and stuff. I don't know, did any of you guys ever remember watching the Jetsons? You remember watching the Jetsons on TV? (laughs) Sure. The microwave and all the stuff that we actually have now. I remember seeing them on the escalators just gliding. A lot of stuff we couldn't even imagine then. It's here now. So I think one of the great things about a grandmother and senior grandkids is to see how much opportunity they have now. And we can truly say to them, if you buckle down and learn this and study, what you put into it is what you'll get out of it. And know in our hearts that they're going to be okay. They really do have a chance. And so for me as a grandmother, I love it. And it brings me peace to know that he really will have opportunities out here if he does the right thing. You have this whole piece around amazing and powerful women and empowering women. And I wonder, what is your take on how we listen to some of the more senior voices or the more experienced voices in our midst right now? You know, whenever I see people share on Facebook about their grandmother stuff, I just feel like, wow, you know, this is such an amazing moment to even have a conversation. I would love to interview somebody. I don't know if you've done it yet, but, you know, one of my dreams is to be able to interview someone that's maybe a hundred and something years old. There's so many things I would like to ask them. And I didn't get a chance to interview my mother. She's the one person I haven't had a chance to interview that I would have loved to. All I can say is, you know, anybody of age, there's so much insight. You know, why wouldn't you want to listen to them? They're amazing people to hang around. You learn so much. So you came into your own in a way at 55. Mm -hmm. You're still going strong. And there are a lot of grandmothers and women of grandmothering age who listen to this podcast. Okay. So if you're talking to them, what would you say to them? Because I know that you talk a lot about igniting other people's passion after finding your own. What would you say to them? Mm -hmm. It goes back to what I said earlier. Don't wait to be great. Do it now. Stop putting off tomorrow what you can do today. Don't try to perfect it. Don't worry about dotting the I's and crossing the T's because it's okay to fail and Mm -hmm. fail forward. If it's in your vision, whether it's it's retirement, whether it's traveling, whether it's being with your grandkids, whatever it is, you have it within you to do it. You just got to make the decision that that's where you want to go. That's what you want to do and do it. And then make a plan. 
have a strategy for doing it. Remember I said at the hospital when it felt like, you know, mom was going to be okay. And I heard Alex say that I had the passion to be on radio, but I didn't know what a podcast was or interviewing or anything like this. And so I took a piece of paper and I drew down the middle of the line. What do I need to do and where do I need to begin? Mm-hmm. On the right, I brain dumped all the things that I need to do. You know, like I need to Google what a podcast is. I need to make a list of people to interview. I need to figure out the technology. Where do I begin? Okay, well, you got to begin with what's the name of your show? What's the message for your show? And it was Women Power Talk Radio. And it was to empower baby boomers to go for their dreams and visions no matter what. And so I tell everybody, like my friend Cinnamon told me once, you got to make it your intention each and every day to get more life out of living and more living out of life. I'm going to ask you and your listeners to take a moment, close your eyes and let yourself be free and envision whatever you want. And I want you to inhale life. Let's all together inhale life and exhale the negativity Exhale the disappointments, exhale the challenges, exhale all the low self-esteem. Let that stuff go. And every time you feel like you can't go on, you're having too much struggles, you know, there's too many things getting in your way, you know, you're getting older, but you don't seem to be accomplishing what you want. First of all, get rid of that stinking thinking, as the great Zig Ziglar used to say. Take a moment, look around, and then inhale life. Inhale life. Inhale life. And if that doesn't work, cut the news on and listen to it. Watch it. And you'll see that some young person probably lost their life. Some old person probably's life is over. Someone left out the house with the intentions of coming back to their family and didn't make it. And then you will embrace life a lot more because we all only have the moment we stand in now. And it can be taken away just like that. So do the thing to have the power and don't wait to be great. Do it now. Well, Raven, I am glad that you found that stage. I'm glad that little girl found that mic. Me too, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for such a beautiful conversation. Well, thank you for having me on and for each and every one of your listeners. Thank you for tuning in. And I'd love to hear from any of you guys. If you are having trouble trying to find your passion, you know what you want to do, but you don't know where to begin. I'd like to invite your listeners to just email me at talkshowmaven at gmail.com. That's talkshowmaven, M-A-V-E-N at gmail.com. And put on the subject line, free session. And let's chat and see if we can unleash the power, the dreams, and the purpose that lies in you. Oh, thank you, Ravens. Well, thank you again. And congratulations on the great job you're doing. You're an amazing podcast. And doing this thing for us grandmothers, I think it's great. There's a lot of stories within us, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is the truth. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.